I'm going to say it and you're going to look at me and go, the guy's lying. That's not true. There's no way that what he is saying is true. And here's what it is. I have not found any SEO companies, zero. I have found zero SEO companies that actually do SEO correctly. Zero. I haven't found one. Less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Martin, I know you were just uh, boring our guests with your conversations <laughs> of your travels to uh, Utah and beyond this this summer. Uh, where, where you got four of you in a car and drove where? Four of us in F one fifty. And F-150, uh, I'm sorry. Started in Denver, went to uh, Pagosa Springs, Pagosa Durango, Springs. Uh, Mesa Verde, Monument Valley, Page, Utah, Zion, Bryce Canyon, Moab, and then back to a little known town in uh, Colorado. So yeah, 1,600 miles. 1,600 miles. Yeah. Very nice. Really? Worth it. The, the most popular road trip vehicle, the F-150. <laughs> yeah, oh. that's what I was going to say. That couldn't yeah. have been that comfortable. Well, <clears throat> my, oh, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Oh, well, man. I, no, this thing was uh, like uh, 11 hours old. He bought it. Oh, it's, it's a got brand a new monitor one. that's bigger than the windshield. And, yeah. uh, oh, no. it's They're all like walk, that now. You Huge, walk by like a TV with screen a, on the dash. With a key fob in your pocket, you walk by the truck and the windows fold out, the doors unlock and the rails go down. If you keep on going, you can hear it lock behind you and the rails go up and, and that stuff's cool, but I don't want any of it because it's all something that's going to break and it's going <laughs> to cost right. like, well, that module for that thing is $11,000. Okay. Yeah. No, it was, Man. no, it's comfortable. You can play basketball in the back seat. Yeah. Yeah. And Rich, you're in, you're in Utah, but you, we were talking before this, you don't go South that often. Yeah, I went down there a couple of years ago because, you know, I've only, I've lived in Utah about a little over five years. Mm. And so okay. I decided to go down there and take a look and it's like, oh, yeah, it looks, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's not really my thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty dry and deserty. Yeah. And... Yeah. I live up here well, where the, in the, the mountain mountains and uh, I, I really yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. Do you get to ski yeah. a lot? Uh, bad knee. So I don't. I, uh, yeah. I, I never skied until I moved here, and I'm frankly was not that good at it. It's, it's, it's scary. You don't want to learn skiing at age fifty. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, where where were you before Utah? Uh, Dallas area. Yeah, oh, born and raised okay. in Dallas, lived there my whole life. Wow. Yeah, so we're up in Oklahoma, not far from Dallas. Uh, man, no very comment. Different. No, no comment. comment on Oklahoma <laughs> from a Texan. <laughs> yeah. Are you a Are you a UT fan? Uh, you know. Yes, more than no. Okay, I'm not super into college sports. I'm more mm. Mavericks, Rangers, Rangers, Cowboys, right. World Series, uh, Mavericks. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I lived in Southlake for 15 years, and our our boy okay. Quinn Ewers is the quarterback yeah. now down at yeah. Texas. So this weekend is actually BYU, which I live right next to, oh. versus Texas. Yeah. So in um, in, in BYU uh, at BYU. Nearby, I think. BYU. It, yeah, I live near BYU. I live about ten minutes away. Okay, and then, oh, are, they mean, playing, the are they playing at BYU or are they playing down in Texas? I think it's at Texas. Quinn Ewers okay. is injured, so he's out. But I'm still rooting for Texas over BYU. And I went to BYU, so there that, that tells you. Oh wow, nice. Yeah, my uh, the Sooners will be there in like two, three weeks, something yeah. like that. 
Yeah. So that'll be a big one, man. Be a big well, win for the Sooners, I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, they're okay. Well, I don't no, know, man. That's going to be a rough every other year goes both ways. Oh, you mean against BYU? Yeah, yeah against BYU. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't look at them that way. We don't at I, all. I don't look at anything and say, "Oh, there's one." Ever. <laughs> they're, Ever. they're they're very solidly average this year. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's how a lot of. Uh, a lot of local businesses would describe their uh, their Google My Business or their SEO as very solidly average, maybe worse. Uh, kind of trying to segue in here. I can tell you, it's it's worse. What's what's like the worst Google My Business? I, I would I'm assuming that's a big part of local SEO that we're going to touch on today. But what's like the worst you've seen? Worst case. Well, so you got to understand what Google My Business is. It's it's a directory owned by Google, right. so. Uh, it's easy to do bad at Google My Business because to, to optimize it, you have to post content to it continually. Most companies don't. Uh, we do audits. You can tell uh, how frequently and how recently it's been updated. And um, generally, normal case scenario, people are updating their Google business profile once a month. Bad case scenario, every couple months. Worst case scenario, never. Rare case scenario, they're up they're updating it and posting to it, you know, weekly, which is what you should be doing. And, and most just aren't. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, Martin, you and I have gotten some questions around this recently um, from what tools to be using to, you know, see what keywords you should use and what you should be posting, stuff like that, um, to even some people that are doing some automations for replies to reviews. Uh, but I'm excited to kind of dive deep into this. Let's Let's kind of give a little bit of background though. So you're from Dallas, Rich, but you're with a really awesome organization that we've followed podcast wise and from a distance, Level 10 Contractor. Why don't we dive into that? How did you get started as Level 10 Contractor? Well, I so Level 10 Contractor is about the fourth iteration of this business. I started in 1994, so we're 29 years next month. Wow. Um gone through some different iterations, uh, got back heavy into contractor marketing in 2005, um, started an organization uh, that was doing training via webinars. It's a subscription-based model. Uh, and I had a problem with that business that companies would quit after either one or two years. It was an annual subscription. And I'd ask them, why are you quitting? And is it the content? What is it? And they're like, no, we love it, man. It's great. But number one, we just really don't have time for it. And number two, we can't actually take this stuff and do anything with it because we don't know how, and we don't, you know, we're not experts at it. And, and they kept asking me to actually do stuff for them. So we got into building websites in about 2011. So when we finally got around to that, started doing SEO at the same time early on, <laughs> we were awful at it. Uh, my background is content. Uh, if you would have come to me in 2000, excuse me, in 1995 and said, Hey, I need help. You know, I, I worked with a client in 1996, Lon Smith roofing, the biggest roofing contractor in Texas. And we're writing their yellow pages ad back in those days. <laughs> but, you know, we could write a yellow pages ad and get five, 10, 15, 20 X, uh, better results than they used to get. So that's my background, not yellow pages, but writing things so that it works better content. Um, you know, so then we got into websites. We're good at writing content for websites, but we didn't understand the technical part of it at all. We were terrible. All right. And it was an evolution over the next five, six years. Yeah. Um, 
And then we rebranded our company. It used to be called Monopolize Your Marketplace. We rebranded okay. it in uh, 2019 to Level 10 Contractor. And that's the, that's the current iteration of, of our business. Nice. And why Level 10? What is it? Can you explain what that means for our listeners? Yeah, from 20, so starting in 2011, um, I got hired by a company called Horizon Services, which is HVAC company out in uh, Philadelphia, Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, they were doing 40 million at the time. Uh, 44, I believe, uh, worked with them until 2017. I got fired by them in 2017 because they, they sold the private equity and there was a bunch of internal nonsense that started happening. But during those six years, they grew from 44 to about $150 million. And, uh, also during that same time, I started working with some larger remodeling companies and also another, uh, large, um, HVAC company on the, the West coast. And I started realizing, you know, the way that these big companies operate, not Fortune 500 big, so they weren't uh, full of red tape and nonsense big, but they were big compared to the companies I had typically worked with, you know, maybe a two, three, four, five, ten million maybe dollar remodeling company. And I realized these guys do things on a whole different level. Their prices are way higher. Their commitment to doing things right, having systems in place is so much better. It allows them to consistently deliver a superior product. When problems pop up, they instantly deal with them because financially they can afford to. So they're not always like running and bootstrapping. They, they, they have a business model that allows them to excel. Hmm. And I thought that is a better way to run a business. So I took all of those principles that I learned working firsthand with these companies. I still work with some of them, uh, not not Horizon Services, because like I said, they fired me, but uh, uh, developed an ethos called Level 10 and then de decided, you know what, I'm going to rebrand my company because here's what we did. And it, from 2018 to 2019, the price of our websites doubled instantly mm -hmm. and the price of our SEO services doubled instantly. And it wasn't because we thought, oh, let's go make more money by charging more money. What we did is I sat down with my team and I said, okay, we're getting good SEO results, but we still have clients that quit. We still don't always hit it out of the park. What would it take to do it absolutely the right way so that it works the best, regardless of cost? That's what I want to offer now, both in websites mm -hmm. and SEO. And they said, oh, well, you know, we would have to do, and they listed out all the different things that would need to be improved that we couldn't previously do because our price point was too low. We couldn't afford to, to do those things. So in conjunction or not in conjunction, in, in, in accordance with those philosophies and principles that I'm learning from these large companies, I said, to heck with it. We're just going to sell it at the premium price, but it's going to be the absolute level 10. That's the kind of the moniker for that. that that's what we're going to do. And if you don't want to pay for level 10, that's fine. Not everybody does. Yeah, it's a different mentality that I wish more contractors would take on. A lot of them are fearful of losing the sale uh, because they're so tied up in maybe a death spiral of I need this job to be able to pay for the last job situation. Correct. And it it completely ruins them. But if they would stick to their price, if they wouldn't make concessions, then they would be able to operate more like a level 10 company. Um, love that. Well, you uh, know, that I, I wrote a book that came out in 2019 called Unlocking Unlimited Lead Flow. Uh, subtitle was something like a blueprint for remodeling home services company to make the jump to $10 million. 
And so it, it covers a ton of, basically I brain dumped what I know about marketing into that book. It's a 400 page book, but the whole first part of that book has nothing to do with marketing. It talks about the marketing mindset, raising your prices. Here's how to raise your prices. Here's why you need to raise your prices. Here's how to get more money for what you're, what you're selling. Here's how you commit to excellence. Here's how you raise your standards of quality. Like it's the prerequisite for running a level 10 company is you've got to get your crap together, get your prices in line. I'll give you an interesting story. I've got a great client out in Muncie, Indiana, a guy named uh, Clemens Home Solution, Sean Clemens. And, um, you know, things are kind of slowing down. That's the word on the street. I'm hearing it from a lot of people. This guy just busted out his first million dollar month uh, in September, a couple months ago. Now, a lot of things came together. It was kind of an anomaly, but still, directionally, he's trending up right now. Hmm. And um, I was talking to him, so like, what, what's going on here? Why, why are you able to do this? He says, last year, 2022, he said, we raised our prices a little bit here and there because our costs kept going up. He said, this year, early in the year, I bit the bullet. We raised our prices across the board 23%. 23%. That's a huge increase. Out of that increase, here's what happened. He lost half of his sales team because they couldn't sell at that price. His average sale went up. His number of jobs went down. And he's making more money, more sales and more profit. Exactly. Exactly. It's crazy singing how that works. Tune. Yeah. Yeah. Singing our yeah, tune for sure. No. You got a book called Profit Problem. I'll bet this is in there somewhere. <laughs> that's that's all it's about. It, the title is Profit Problem and the subtitle is they say I make money, so why don't I have any? But we talk about mindset, everything. It's that idea. Um, one thing that you said, uh, you you were just saying for yourself that you did it. This is what, we ha- what it costs to do it right. Yeah. And that's my... Uh, that's my line that I give contractors when they need to raise their prices. Well, what do I do if there's somebody out there bidding? And they say, well, how come he can do it for that? Well, you don't talk about the other guy. You say, I haven't got any idea. But I've been doing this for X number of years, and this is what I have to charge to do it right and take care of you if there are any problems. That's the end of the answer. Just, just what you said. Well, then. Gotta, so here, got to charge what it takes to do it. So here's the real problem though that people run into it's like okay we're going to raise our prices we're going to increase the caliber of the service that we're delivering got it that's all good but then they run into this problem how do i get people to to want how do i market this on the front end and this is where what what we do this like since 1994 since we started the guiding principle behind what we do is something called identity Identity is communicating with power, precision, and passion, who you are, how you're different, why you're better, what people can expect when they do business with you. It's telling your story. It's building a case like you would for a jury. So if you've got these super high prices and you're relying on your salesperson in the home to be your first line of defense to be able to sell at that higher price, you're really hamstringing yourself. You've got to soften the ground to use a war analogy or a planting analogy or some kind of analogy. I don't know what it is. You've got to soften the ground ahead of time. Advertisements that are talking to people about, here's how we're different. Here's how we're better. Here's what we do that sets us apart. Here's what you need to know that you probably don't know because you don't ever buy, you know, new windows or whatever it is they're selling and helping people understand they come to the website. Now the website's going to educate you on who we are, how we're different, why we're better. Tell our story. Use again, power, precision, and passion. 
Okay, so I'll give you an example of this. Uh, one of my clients, uh, been working with these guys for about eight years, uh, Jericho Home Improvements. Got together with them, kitchen and bath remodeler. They're high end. They're way more expensive than their competitors. And they said, look, we're hiring you because we want to tell our story better. I said, great. Tell, tell me what it is that you do that's different and better. And through that conversation, multiple things come up. So I'm just narrowly focusing on one. They said, well, we use higher quality products. I said, okay, what do you mean? Well, like the actual stuff that we're using in the kitchen and bathroom remodels, they're, they're, they're higher quality. Okay, so take that concept and put it into, let's just say a radio advertisement because we're on a podcast and it's audio. So here's what most people would do. Hey, uh, call Jericho Home Improvements. We use the highest quality materials. We use the highest quality fixtures, the highest quality, you know, tub, tile, installers. Everything's highest quality, so call us. Those are called platitudes. They don't work. They don't move the needle. People expect that you're going to say that. So I dig a little deeper and I say, okay, um, give me an example of something that you guys do that's higher quality. Like, how does that manifest? And there was multiple examples, but here's one that sticks out. They said, well, the faucets that we use are higher quality. Okay, well, tell me about that. Well, they're, they're mowing faucets. Okay, so what? Well, they're higher quality. Okay, like, what do you mean higher quality? And the guy started getting pissed, right? Because he's like frustrated that I'm not just accepting this answer. And he goes, here, let me go grab one. And he, he, he pulls out and he goes, this is made in America. It's all metal. It's heavy as blank. And it's awesome. And he says, here, feel it. So I grab it and I'm like, yeah, this, you know, just feels quality. And I go, so what do other people use? And he goes and he grabs one. He goes, they're using this. It's cheap. It's plastic. This one weighs 10 pounds. This one weighs a pound and a half. And the light bulb goes on over my head. So now you go, you write a radio commercial. It goes something like this. Hey, when it comes to remodeling your kitchen, everybody wants to know how much does it cost? But what you should be asking is how much does it weigh? At Jericho, we only use the highest quality materials. For example, we use American-made, all-metal mowing faucets. They're going to last a lifetime. They look fantastic, and they weigh 10 pounds each. Our competitors use cheap, imported plastic faucets. They wear out. They don't look good. They weigh about a pound and a half. What would you rather have in your kitchen? A faucet that weighs 10 pounds or one that weighs a pound and a half? Yeah. It's just called storytelling. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think uh, it, it's so true that that's the much better ad and it makes, it piques my interest and it makes me like care about something that I previously didn't really think about in such specificity, but I thought about, yeah, I want something high quality. I think for a lot of uh, contractors, especially, they kind of have this thought that what they know, everyone else knows. A lot of experts get into that where they kind of have this head trash that like whatever I know is kind of table stakes for everybody else. And I've got to think of something that's above and beyond. But the reality is a lot of our customers don't even know like the details of like the materials we use and how it's different and why it matters and the impact to the process and all this stuff. What was the, uh, was it Schlitz beer, Martin? The example that we talked about long, long ago, how they had the advertisement. This is Claude Hopkins. You're going back. Yeah. Claude Hopkins. advertising. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. but we were talking about Stella Artois, reassuringly expensive. Oh, yeah. That was that's, that's beer that's from Claude Hopkins different. was another one, right? Yeah. yeah you go, this, he, is like, uh, this is like 1905. Yeah. He like yeah. How they hey, Goodyear, Colgate. I mean, yeah. And it, the coolest, freshest beer in the, every company in the, in the United States was using the same machinery and processes. <laughs> but he created them. 
Yeah, father of marketing. That was the Fantastic. great line in that book. He goes through this tour with the with the uh, Schlitz people. They show him all these amazing things, and he goes, "Wow, we got to tell this story." And they look at him like he's an idiot. It's like, what are you talking about? That's just how you brew beer. Everybody does it that way. And he says, yeah, but nobody knows that. Preemptive, preemptive marketing. I, I use one uh, uh, enterprise cars, enterprise rental cars. I ask people all the time, what's their thing? We'll pick you up. I don't know if that's that big a deal now. But everybody could say that. Yeah. But not now. <laughs> you know, what's Hertz going to say? Yeah, we'll pick you up too. Right? Preemptive. Anyway. Yeah. Well, but here's no, what's cool in the contractor space, just to, to build on that, that, that concept, not everybody does it the right way. In fact, the, the quantity of competitors that does it, quote unquote, the level 10 way is probably in the 10% range, you know, truly quality companies. Now there's going to be a second tier from, a, you know, that's probably 20 or 30%. That's good. They're not ripping people off. But there's only about 10% that really, truly do it the right way. And so when those companies start telling their story, it becomes very powerful. Yeah. Well, I think it ties into SEO at a certain level too, because if you don't have an identity, uh, and we'll kind of dive into that a little bit, but even if I do go and visit your website and, you, and, and, I've, and I've actually found you, but then I don't really feel like you have an identity and that you're really different than anybody I've kind of, lo you've, you've lost that person a little bit, haven't you, as a contractor? Yeah, well, you know, well, the default is to price. I mean, if I always say you got to give them a reason other than price to buy from you, which I, which you're developing in, in depth. But if you, I have a guy that I had him ratcheting up his prices and we have a whole strategy that we're using and he wound up emailing a guy the bid, right? We went out, looked at it emailed the guy the bid and the guy said, you're twice as high as the next guy. What should I do? I said, well, we're a little late for that because it's just what you got to. There was no identity, no personality, no belief that, Hey, this guy really is different because he just got an email. Email has a number in it compared to numbers. Take the low one. Yeah. Hmm. You, you've got to take the time to build the case. You can't assume that anybody knows anything. Website's a great opportunity to build your case. You can put all, you can put as much information on there as you want. And as long as you organize it properly on the site, people can, you know, it's like an accordion, right? Do you want to you know, pull it wide? You can go in there and look at as much as you want. If you're not that interested or you don't have much time, you can, you know, squeeze it down to just a little bit. It gives people the option to, to, to educate themselves at whatever pace and quantity they want. But yeah, you know, one of the things we do is website audits. So it's like, hey, let's take a look at your website. We're going to audit it to see how the identity is, some of these SEO things that we'll talk about in a minute. And so there's three different, there's three different categories of scores on the website audit. One of them is conversionability, which is a measurement of how well your site does at converting traffic into leads, okay? Regardless of where that traffic came from. If it came from advertising, came from digital advertising, came from you know, organic search, whatever, it doesn't matter. How well is that site doing? And a big part of that is going to be building your case with identity and then social proof. And identity, so first of all, the average score that we see on these website audits is 27 out of 100 of the aggregated score of the three sections, 27. And the average score that we see on uh, the conversionability section, I haven't actually taken time to, to, to average it, but it's, it's going to be even lower. It's going to be probably 20. People... Companies, they're not telling their story on their websites. They're just not. 
Here's what their websites say. Hey, look at these beautiful pictures. We do this thing. We sell this thing, whatever it is, siding, air conditioning, roofing, whatever it happens to be. And, you know, it comes down to a beauty contest, you know, not to get too outdated and, and weird here, but it's, it's like, it's like the old Miss America competition. It's like, okay, there's 50 women from 50 States. And guess what? All of them are beautiful. Like they, they don't let ugly women into the, the Miss America pageant. That's not how it works. Sorry, hopefully that's not too uh, politically. Incorrect. No, no, you're fine. I, we get it. <laughs> this is we'll what's happening. It. It's like, oh, look, we're going to compete on our website by how it looks, but we don't have any substance behind it. And mm-hmm. so if somebody sees your website and then they see another competitor's website, two, three, four, guess what? They're all aggregated right there for, for, for you by Google. And if mm-hmm. they all kind of look the same, you're not going to really have much of a competitive advantage just by quote unquote looking better. The aesthetics of the site are, it's like a, it's like, in the Miss America pageant, it's a, it's the entrance. Of course, you're going to be beautiful now. And, you know, I think in 2023, we've caught up, you know, with this whole Miss America thing. It's like, no, women are a lot more valuable than just how they look. Let's learn more about you. Let's learn more about your webs, your company. What is it that you do that makes you different and better besides just having a quote unquote, nice looking website. You know how easy it is to have a nice looking website in 2023. All you got to do is go find a WordPress template. There's 50 billion of them. They cost anywhere from 20 to $200. You have to find somebody on Upwork that you can pay literally $150. And you can have a 20-page website that'll cost you less than $500 that looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So if you think that your beautiful website is going to be some kind of a, a competitive advantage, you're wrong. It's the, it's the price to, what do they call it in poker? It's the ante. Just, yeah, just yeah. to participate, that's the minimum requirement. Right. Table stakes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think even now there's like AI tools. You can literally just put in a prompt like, I am a plumber in West Virginia and I offer residential plumbing services and then it'll design a website with stock imagery and some random generated text. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to resonate with a customer, right? Well, you've got two issues at stake here. Okay. Because, you know, we, we, my company sells websites and our typical website is a lot more expensive than $500. A lot. Yeah. Why would you spend more than $500? And the answer is twofold. Number one, what that random AI generated website or the website that the guy on Upwork is going to create for you for $500, the content, the story that is going to tell is going to be abysmally bad. If that's even a word, <laughs> it's not going to, it's, it's not going to be any good, but then also even more, I was going to say even more, these are tied. They're both problems. Um, from a, uh, a search standpoint, organic search, it's going to do nothing. It's going to literally do nothing because it's not going to, you know, there's practices and protocols that you have to put into place for your website to be, uh, to be valuable to Google on an organic search base. Yeah. And why does organic search matter? (laughs) I think for some people, they, they hear SEO, uh, they understand, oh, well, someone said that's important, but let's just even get to the importance and the significance of just search in general. Well, I mean, you just have to ask yourself this question. Is it, do, do people use the internet to find what they're looking for? And the answer is obviously, yes. <laughs> I don't think anybody's disputing that at this moment. 
but it's even more important for things that people don't buy that frequently. It's like, if you're sitting at a restaurant and the waiter comes over and he's like, uh, what do you want to drink? And he, you say Coke and he goes, well, we don't have Coke. We have Pepsi. You don't say, oh, well, hang on a second. Let me get my phone out. What is this Pepsi? Oh, <laughs> geez. It only has 3.7 stars. You know, I think I'm going to pass. I'll just take a water because people don't do that. But when it comes to contractors, you know, that's a wide gamut of kinds of things, but people just don't typically buy that stuff. Yeah. I, I do. I do informal surveys when I, when I do live speaking, uh, I would say 15% have bought what you're selling before. So they just don't know. So you have to spell things out to people. You have to help them understand and you have to give them exactly, you know, they have to understand what it is. So when it comes to search, they're going to be on the internet looking. And if your website is not one that's going to show up, they're never going to know you exist. Now, yeah, you can, you can end around that. So here's the ways that you end around it. Number one, uh, you buy ads from Google. Well, here's the problem with buying ads from Google. And I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't buy ads from Google. But here's the problem with buying ads from Google. If you look at a, a search results page, let's say I'm in Utah right now. Let's say I search for a roofer. So I type in roofer near me. There's going to be three or four or five ads that show up. And I strongly recommend that you try to be one of those ads because they're going to show up at the top of the page. Google's going to give them prominent real estate on that page. Here's the problem though. There's only five. Guess yeah. what's happening with those five? It's not like nobody else ever got the idea. Hey, what if we bought those ads? Everybody buys those ads. So it bids the price up because it's a bidding process. And those leads become prohibitively expensive in many cases, not in all cases, but in many cases. And that's if you can even show up at all. Then you've got the people, you've got the issue that some people have bias against the ads. They don't right. want to buy the ads. They don't want to click the sponsored link. I'm not saying nobody clicks the sponsored link. Clearly they do. Otherwise you're, you would never get charged for those, those clicks. But the organic part, this is where people are going to look for things that they can trust more. And if you believe that people are actually asking Google who to buy stuff from, then you should do everything you can to show up as high as you can in those rankings. So let, let me just piggyback on that concept that everybody's doing the, the, the Google ads. Well, everybody's also doing SEO, but that's actually not a true statement. First of all, in my experience, fully 50% plus of companies are not even attempting SEO. Yeah. A lot of the smaller companies, they don't even try or they try, but they have literally no idea what they're doing. So it, whatever they're doing doesn't work. Then you got the, let's just call it 50% that are doing SEO. Yeah. I can tell you authoritatively, definitively after looking at hundreds and hundreds and thousands of probably of websites that we've audited, looking at actual statistics, less than 5% are doing it well. Mm. So, you know, there's this old saying, it goes like this. You, you don't have to outrun the bear. You only have to outrun the other guy who's also being chased by the bear. Yeah. So you don't have to outcompete everybody. You only have, you, you just have to run faster than the other guys. And so if you've got a, of a hundred competitors in your marketplace, you've only really got to outcompete about five or six of them, 10 of them. Yeah. And that's where the real battle comes down to. And in, in my experience, it's not that hard to beat them if you know what you're doing. It's just not. Yeah. I mean, really it's just about putting time in. It's, it's no different than it's a compounding effect, right? Like it builds over time, just like going to the gym every day. Like, yeah, that is correct. You go to the gym However, every yeah, I However, I gotta get, I've got to put a really strong disclaimer on that. Okay. 
let's say that you go to the gym every day and let's say that you're, you know, dialed into what it takes. You, do you go to the gym? Maybe you are a, a gym guy. I don't know. You yeah, I, I do. Martin and I okay. both go to the gym. So if you're at the gym, can you spot the novices? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How hard is it for you to spot the novices? Just look in the uh, mirror. <laughs> well, here's my no. point. It's like, okay, let's say that you're an expert at, uh, let's just call it loosely speaking bodybuilding. Okay. Or maybe that's okay. overstating it, but let's just use that word. You go to the gym and you can see the novices and it's not just, it's like, Hey, I'm, I, I appreciate that you're here and you're trying. Cause that's awesome. Yeah. But if you keep doing Mr. Novice, sir, what you're doing right now, you can do that thing for the next 20 years and it's not going to make any difference because you're doing the wrong thing. So it's not yeah. just simply a matter of repetition. I'm going to tell you, man, I see so many websites, 500 service area pages. Now we haven't talked about service area pages yet, but here's what service area pages are a very important part of any contractor's SEO strategy. Okay. So awesome. You've really leaned heavy into these service area pages. I have, this is not an uncommon thing. It's an extreme example because the number is high 500, but the numbers are frequently lower than that, fewer than 500 service area pages. But here's the point. Those pages are doing literally zero from an organic search standpoint, which means not only are they not helping you, it's actually hurting you. You're actually mm. doing worse than if you hadn't paid anybody to do anything at all. Very common. So it is really, really easy and common to completely screw this up, even though you're quote unquote, trying and doing your best. Yeah. Hey, let's, well, let's define a service area page real quickly, because I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So there's, there's three main kinds of pages on a website. There's not precisely only exactly three, but there's three major kinds of pages. The first kind of page is what I call core pages. These are the pages that are going to be uh, visible, obviously, from the main navigation on the website. So if it's a bathroom remodeling company, you go to their website, there's a, on the main navigation, home, services, and then services might have drop down showers, bathtubs, uh, aging in place, whatever. Those are the services. And then there might be a why us section, a reputation section, an about us section. Those are going to be galleries, okay? These are the core pages. These are the pages that when you're on the website allows you to see the different various things uh, that this company does and about this company, okay? Core pages. Then there's two other major kinds of pages. These are going to be service area pages and blog pages. Now, these are the pages that are tasked with driving traffic to the site. Now, the core pages can be optimized so that they are recognized by Google and they can receive some traffic, but the heavy lifters are going to be the blog pages and the service area pages. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to put a, a little bookmark on the service area definition for just a second. And I'm going to back up for a minute because I need to explain something sure. about SEO yeah, that almost nobody knows. It is very basic. Here's what it is. Google does not rank websites. That's supposed to be kind of like a, a shocking statement. What do you mean Google doesn't rank websites? Well, here's what Google does do. It ranks web pages. Okay, so if you've got a 100-page website, here's what people think. Oh, I just created this brand new website. Website is beautiful. It's awesome. Now we're going to start ranking for stuff. 
And then they get ads or they see ads or they get these stupid emails from people. Oh, well, your website will rank on the first page or you don't pay us. But this doesn't even accurately describe how SEO works. There's no such thing as here's a website that is ranking. Websites don't rank, web pages do. So here's how it works. I'm in, I'm in a, a town called Linden, Utah. Okay, this is where I live. If I'm looking for a roofer, we'll just stick with roofers for no particular reason. We could easily say windows or concrete or anything, but I'll, I'll just say, stick with roofers. If I go to Google and I type roofer near me, here's what Google does. It looks at the literally hundreds of billions of pages that exist on the internet. And Google makes this determination. Which page or pages are the most precise match for what this person is searching for based on two, two things. Number one, what it is he's searching for. And number two, where it is he's searching for it. Okay, so this is what we call a geo keyword pair. This is really, really important. Geo keyword pair. Geo, where, keyword, what. So Google's gonna look for, oh, are there any pages that are, that are optimized for what this person is looking for and where they're looking for it. So here's who's going to win that search in terms of the companies that have their websites. The company that has the correct page on their site or pages, could be multiple pages, that are optimized for that geo keyword pair, which in my case is something called Linden and Roof Repair. So if you're a roofing company, let's say, and you've got a website and it's got 30 pages, why choose us? Here's the kind of roofing things we do. Here's some pictures, galleries. Here's some reputation things. This is typical stuff, okay? You will lose in search if my client who's competing against you creates a very specific page. Okay, now here's the answer to your question. Service area page. A very specific page that says, that is dedicated to roofing repair in Linden, Utah. Now, that page has to be executed at an elite level or it will fail. Okay. And this is what I was saying earlier to give you, you know, some backfill, some context for you. Oh, I've seen websites that have 500 service area pages and they don't work. It's not enough to say, oh, we need to create a service area page for Linden, Utah, um, roofing repair. If you don't execute that properly, you know, go back to the gym analogy. Is it possible to... I'm going to say this generically because I'm not a, a, you can probably tell by looking at me, I'm not a weightlifter. Uh, generically speaking, just lifting weights is not the full answer. Like, yes, lifting weights, that category is right. But doing it properly with the correct technique, the correct uh, muscle sets on certain days and intervals between training and recovery, there's so many things that go into it. So the service area page is supposed to be um, optimized for that geo keyword pair. So again, here's the idea. Here's what I want you to understand. If I go into, into Google and I search for roofers near me, if a website has a page that's optimized specifically for Linden, Utah roofing, now that page is going to show up in the Google search. I'm going to click on it as a consumer. I'm going to land on that page. So it becomes, guess what? A de facto landing page. They're not going to go to the home page. They're not going to go let me say that slightly different. They're not going to land on the homepage. They might navigate to your homepage, but they're, they're going to land on the service area page. So therefore, guess what? That page better not just say, yes, we do roofing in Linden, Utah. 
it better also tell your story. It better have your mm-hmm. identity. It better help people understand who you are, how you're different, why you're better, what they can expect when they do business with you. Because if it doesn't fit that bill, then here's what's going to happen. Google's going to send, let's say, 100 or 500 people to that page because it seems like it's a precise match. Well, what if Google sees that people go to that page and then hit the back button and they say, ah, that's not really what I'm looking for. Then here's what happens. And this is something else that people don't understand. This is why I'm, I'm so evangelical about this topic of SEO. I want people to understand. Like in normal language, if Google notices that people don't like a page, it's going to quit sending people to that page, which brings us to this point, which I think is a fascinating point. Everybody always talks about Google's algorithm, right? The algorithm is scared. It changes. It's unpredictable. We have no idea what's going on. Google at any moment could completely change everything. And we're at the helpless mercy of whatever they do. Absolute nonsense. That is not true. There's minor elements of truth to that. But for the macro level, it's not true. That's excuses that SEO companies use so that when they, their stuff doesn't work, their clients don't get mad. Oh, well, it's Google's fault. The truth, yeah. the truth is that the major thing that Google's looking for always is how do actual humans engage with actual pages on, on the internet. And if Google sees that the interaction and the engagement is high, then that is the major signal that Google's looking for that, yes, this is the page that we're going to continue. We, Google, are going to continue to rank higher and higher. And if people don't like it, This is where content becomes so absolutely critical. You can create good pages that are even optimized properly, but if the content on it is not engaging, interesting, and relevant, people will hit the back button and Google will notice that and it will sink that page in the rankings because Google's entire business model depends on people finding what they want when they search. Hmm. Sorry, that's me talking a lot. No, that's good. This is all like super foundational stuff. Yeah, no, it's great. I think it's a good good uh, overview of everything and helps define it for a lot of our listeners. I think there's some misconceptions that I wanted to cover with you um, and kind of go over one by one. The first one being kind of like a one-time SEO, like, oh yeah, what, I had this company build the website and they, they SEO optimized it. Um, what's the problem with one-time quote-unquote SEO? That's a good question. So it... it, it it fundamentally misunderstands how SEO works. So every page on your website has to be optimized for geo keyword pairs, okay? Mm-hmm. This concept of geo keyword pairs is never gonna go out of this conversation. It's always going to be the first and most relevant thing. Because think about it this way. If I'm in Utah and I go and search for a roofing company and Google shows me a roofing company in Sarasota, Florida, how on the heck does that help me? Right. Okay, so here's what that means. When somebody says, oh, well, it's been optimized, here's what that means. It means that they've done a, a, they've optimized whatever pages are currently on that site. So let's call it the core pages, all right? Well, here's the problem with that. If I've got a, if I've got a roofing company that services Utah County, sorry to keep using my own place here, but we're kind of on a roll. <laughs> so there's, there's, let's say that there's uh, 12 or 15 cities around here that uh, are the major cities. There's Linden, Provo, Orem, Lehigh, Sarasota Springs, Springville, et cetera. Okay, there's, let's say there's five or 10 of them, 10 or 20, who knows? Well, you can't optimize a page for 20 different cities. So what you have to do for your core pages is you have to optimize them for what I call a broad geographic area. In mm-hmm. my case, that would be called Utah County. When I lived in Dallas, that would have been 
Dallas, Fort Worth, or maybe Northeast Tarrant County or some uh, relatively large area. I've got a client in, in Orange County, California. There's 52 cities in Orange County, California, but we have to optimize their core pages for Orange County because we need Google to know that all of those pages, the core pages, remember the def definition of core pages, the stuff that you find from the main navigation, Google needs to know that those pages are relevant to everywhere in that whole area. Okay, so here's the problem with, oh, we just optimized this website. Now we're done. Well, as soon as we have a competitor that says, yeah, but I'm going to go create a page for Linden, Utah, roofing repair, a more precise keyword and a more precise geography, they're going to beat me. You say, well, why don't I just optimize for that in the first place, you know, this one-time optimization. Okay, here's how one-time optimization could ostensibly work. And I'm being sarcastic right now. You ready? If that one time included creating pages for every geo keyword pair that you're interested in, yeah. which is almost impossible because it's going to be literally hundreds and hundreds of pages. So I'm going to yeah. give, give you one more analogy here. It's the war analogy. So think of SEO like war. Geographically, the war is being fought in the broad area that you service. So we'll use, uh, let's just say Orange County in this case, because people might be familiar with that. that's where Disneyland is, Orange County. So you're fighting a war in Orange County. Well, and let's say that you sell uh, bathroom remodeling services and kitchen remodeling services in Orange County. Okay, so I'm going to have core pages that are optimized for Orange County. I'm going to have a kitchen page. I'm going to have a bathroom page. Right, you with me so far? Yeah. Okay. But if I want to get traffic from the specific cities within that, I have to create the actual optimized pages for that geo keyword pair. So I have to go in and I have to create a Brea page for kitchens and a Brea page for bathrooms. And then I also have to create a Fullerton kitchens and a Fullerton bathrooms page. And I have to also, 52 cities, I have to go through this. Now, there right. also could be subdivisions of kitchen re remodeling. There could be kitchen, excuse me, cabinet refacing. There could be countertops, bathrooms. There could be tub to shower conversions, shower to tub conversion, tub and tile replacement, aging in place. All of these need to have their own page because the more precise I am with these pages, the more likely I am to show up high in the search rankings. May I ask you just... Uh a simple question occurs to me. If Can you use the same keyword and change the geo, pretty much the same text? Or uh, So I'm doing, I've got a great bathroom model for La Brea and I want to go to Fresno. Can I just change that? Or do you get discounted for having the same thing? I'll, that's That's what I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah. So the answer is no, you can't just change the word. You have to actually rewrite the entire content. It's a little bit complicated, but uh, we haven't even talked about things that need to happen on that page to, to show Google, to send signals to Google what the geo keyword pair is. There's very specific protocols for that. Most, usually most pages I'm looking at, most websites I'm looking at, they, they don't even send the right signals. So Google doesn't even know what it is they do and where they do it. So they don't even have a chance to rank. But to your question, no, you can't just go in and change the city name. That's, yeah. that's a no-no. Yeah, they'll, they'll penalize you for it. So um, we, we talked about 
all the stuff that's really on the pages themselves, but we haven't talked about those third types of pages, not core pages or service area pages, but blog pages and why they matter. So, you know, maybe for a contractor, they've heard about blogs or maybe they hired a blogging service that wrote these articles that they never really used or looked at. They don't even know why they're there. They were doing it once a month. What, what, why are blog pages important and what's the best execution strategy for it in general terms? Okay, great question. And I think the way you couch that question is, is really smart because you're right. Most people have no idea that they're, why they're blogging other than somebody told them that they need to blog. Yeah. And then, then people start getting cute and they get cute by saying, oh, well, what is, what is some information that would be really helpful to people? And they start looking at their blog almost like a magazine. Like, let's curate content that's interesting so that when people come to our blog, they can browse through it like a magazine and find really interesting stuff that they want. If that's what you're thinking, it's completely wrong, okay? Nobody cares about your blog. Literally, nobody care, Nobody is going to come to your website. I say nobody. There's always weirdos, Okay. The 98% of people are not going to come to your website and go, oh, uh, here's a roofing company. Oh, look, they have a blog. I wonder what kind of interesting roofing topics they might have available for me on this blog. Nobody's going to do that. Here's what the blog exists for. The blog, every blog that you do should be optimized for a geo keyword pair. Now, here's what you're doing with blogs. You're taking more granular keywords and you're creating content around those more granular keywords. Okay. So if I've got uh, kitchens and baths, I might have a kitchen core page and I might have a bathroom core page, but what I want to do, there's tools that you can use to do this. Uh, it's not important what the tools are other than just to know that there's tools that says, here's the, here's the search terms that people are actually searching on Google within the domain of, let's say, kitchen remodeling or bathroom remodeling. Uh, so I'm just looking at my screen here. I'll give you an example. Um, pros and cons of walk-in tub. This is something that people are actually searching. This is a keyword phrase that people are searching. So we go yeah. to the tools and the tool says, hey, this is an actual phrase that people are searching for. So we create content around that specific phrase. So we create a, uh, a blog called pros and cons of walk-in tubs, but that's not, here's a huge mistake people make on their blogs. They don't geo-optimize them. So they create this great article about pros and cons of walk-in tubs. And let's, let's give them benefit of the doubt and say that they wrote a really nice article. 75, 80, 85% of the time I see these articles on websites, they're not geo-optimized. Google doesn't know where they're relevant. And people just sort of assume, well, it's on my website and I'm in Orange County. So doesn't Google just know that this is relevant to Orange County? And the answer is no, because Google doesn't rank websites. Google ranks web pages. And unless that page is sending all of the specific signals to Google to let it know precisely what that page is relevant for and where that page is relevant, it, it's not going to work. So then second best, here's what people will do. They'll say, okay, well, we'll optimize this for a broad geographic area, Orange County. So they might write this blog, pros and cons of walk-in tubs in Orange County, California. Okay, that's better than not having a geo-optimized tag at all, okay? The problem is I can out-compete you 
by simply creating an article that says pros and cons of walk-in tubs in Chula Vista, California, which actually is in San Diego, but you get the idea. Right. Right. More, more precise. So here's what you got to do. So let's go back to the analogy I gave you early, earlier. You're fighting a war. Okay. And the, the area is Orange County. We never actually finished this analogy. So I'm going to wrap it, wrap it back together here. You've got to look at the geo keyword pairs as the battles that you want to fight. Because when you fight a war, you don't just like, all right, we're going to go fight the whole war at the same time. You don't fight the whole mm -hmm. war at the same time. You fight by individual battle. And every time you build a page that is optimized for a geo keyword pair, bathroom remodeling, Chula Vista, California, that's a geo keyword pair. That is a battle. So here's what, here's how the analogy helps you understand this. The more troops that you put into that battle, the better chance you're going to have of winning against your competitors. So when it comes to Chula Vista, let's say that that's a battle that I want to be fighting geographically speaking. And for the listener, here's what I want you to be thinking. I want you to think, what are the top five or 10 cities, specific cities in the areas that you service that you want to be doing very, very well? You know, as a Dallas Fort Worth, where do people have money? South Lake, Colleyville, Keller, Highland Park, Plano, Allen. Okay. Think for you, listener right now, listen to me and Write this down. What are the top five or 10 cities you want to be in? Okay, so those are the battles that you want to fight. So here's what you want to do. You want to create content that is optimized. The more pieces of content, pages that you put on your website that are optimized for those geo keyword pairs, those battles, the better chance you have of winning. So let's mm. say it's a real battle in a real war. And sorry, I know that's real sensitive now because there's actual wars that are all over the globe and it, it's, it's horrific. Uh, so I don't want to minimize that by using it and talking about it uh, no, as you but it helps people understand. Um, if the competitors cumulatively have 50 troops in that battle and you send one troop into that battle, how are you going to do? Terrible. Okay. So here's what we want to do when it comes to Chula Vista. Again, I'm, I'm, I know I'm jumping all over the map using different examples. It doesn't matter. It's all this, the same in terms of optimizing for the areas you want to be. Here's what, here's what my client does. I've got a client there called Sugarman's Bathroom in San Diego. Chula Vista is one of multiple cities that they're interested. It's a, it's a battle that they're fighting. We create literally six service area pages for that area. We create it for walk-in tubs. We create it for tub to shower conversions, shower to tub conversions, and three others that I can't remember off the top of my head. Six service area pages. Then we come back and we blog against it. Pros and cons of walk-in tubs in Chula Vista, California. Uh, do walk-in tubs leak? But where do we get that keyword phrase? Well, we got it from the list that the tool provides. This is, this is what people are actually searching. So we create a blog, do walk-in tubs leak in Chula Vista, California. And I'll tell you this right now. You're, you're, to, to, to see how this works, you and or your listeners, go to, go to Google Go to a uh, incognito window. So Google doesn't know your search history. So it's not going to be biased towards things that you've already been to before. Okay. Type in, literally type in, do walk in bathtubs leak Chula Vista, California. And here's what will happen when you do that. You will see a blog that comes up from a company called Sugarman's Bath. And you will see that this comes up literally first in the rankings. That's what yeah. we're trying to do here. That's the whole point. Now, you might do this and it might come up second or third or fourth. You might say, well, that guy Rich, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, you know, things change day to day, week to week. So maybe by the time you hear this and do that, it might not come up exactly first. But 
as of today, it comes up first. Other companies are still battling. They're putting their troops into the battle. So we, it's an ongoing thing. But this is how it works. We create geo keyword optimized content. And so for this example of Chula Vista, California, for this particular client, we literally have six service area pages and we have five to 10 blogs. So let's just say it's five. So we've got six service area pages, plus we've got five blogs. We've got 11 troops in that battle. I really like my chances of showing up in organic search. That's a really good breakdown. And I like the analogy because it makes it much more understandable for people. I think the next question that I'm sure comes to mind for a lot of contractors, and I've, I've heard this in conversations with people is, you know, I can't afford it. That's not really a focus right now. But I think it's really good for people to understand the ROI or even just the, um, the metrics and performance that they'll get from something like SEO for their business in terms of a lead generation, uh, how many leads they can maybe count on uh, receiving from this. How do you calculate that? What is the average result that you're you know, seeking uh, for each business that does SEO uh, as a service? Okay, so as usual with me, it requires a, a bit of an explanation. So let's take a pay-per-click and let's contrast it. Let's say that you run a pay-per-click ad for bathroom remodeling in Chula Vista, California, okay? So you, and let's say that you spend, I'm going to throw out a, ra a random round number, $1,000 on that. Uh, let's just go even lower. Let's, okay, so let's just say it's $1,000. So you spend $1,000. Okay. You're going to get a certain number of clicks. You're going to get a certain number of leads because you're going to direct that traffic specifically to the right page on your website. Okay. That's optimized for that search term. Um, and let's say that it gives you out of a thousand dollars, it gives you four leads for a $250 lead cost. Okay. That's our baseline. Great. I think everybody listening to this podcast would go, Hey, that's fantastic. I would love to have that ROI on my pay-per-click. Okay. So now it's month two. What are you going to do in month two? Well, you're going to run the same ads again. You spend the same thousand dollars again. And let's say you get the same four leads again. Great. Month three, another thousand dollars, another four leads. Month four, month five, blah, 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 all the way down to month 12, month 18, month 24, whatever. Okay. So you have this, this sort of formula. So now let's take SEO. Let's say that I pay somebody to optimize my website for bathroom remodeling in Chula Vista, California, because that's the example we've been using uh, here in, in the most recently. Um, and let's say that I spend um, $4,000 to create 10 pages that are optimized specifically for Chula Vista, California. Some service area pages like we just talked about and some blog pages. Okay, so here's how most people think about this. They look at that pay-per-click and they go, okay, I've spent $1,000, I got four leads, $250. I like that, great. They're gonna keep doing that. And by the way, that's a good ROI, keep doing it. I'm not saying that that's, that's a really smart thing to do. But here's what they do. They look at this $4,000 and they say, okay, well, what can I expect in terms of return on investment on that $4,000? And then maybe in month one, they don't get any leads because Google hasn't even indexed that page yet. And then in month two, Google's indexed it, but it hasn't started really, uh, it hasn't got a lot of traction with Google. So maybe you get uh, one lead and you don't sell it. Okay, now I just spent $4,000 and I've got uh, one lead that didn't convert. Well, guess what? Those pages are still there. You don't have to come back next month and spend four more thousand dollars to create those 10 pages again. They just sit there on your website. So now month three rolls around and you get two leads and you close one. Okay. Now month three rolls around and you get two more leads and you don't close any. And then the next month you get two leads and you close one. Then the next month you get, oh, three leads and you close one. And the next month you get three leads. Now here's where I'm going with this. I'm not trying to promise that 
on month 11, you get precisely four leads and you close one. I'm not trying to make that specific of a, of a claim. I want you to look at this holistically macro level from the 30,000 foot view. You put those troops into those battles and now they're there permanently fighting. So you can't look at this and say, well, my return on investment in month one was terrible. And my, in month two, it was negligible. And uh, over the course of the first year, even my $4,000 uh, investment in those troops, I'm going to use the, the analogy, the word troops, uh, I got a total of six leads and I only closed two. So that was uh, two sales, $4,000 of cost. That's a $2,000 cost per sale. Well, guess what? They're still there next year and the following year. And the following year, this is what makes SEO such a great long-term investment is that as those troops perform and as they get traction and as Google realizes that people actually like these pages that it's sending people, you actually go up in the rankings for that geo keyword pair. And you will then get leads forever from this investment. Yeah. You can't measure every channel the same. The metrics have to be different. The perspective has to be different. Uh, SEO being one of those channels, Google ads, then you've got like Google local services, paper lead services like Angie's list or home advisor, um, social media ads, organic social, uh, all the different channels that are out there that you can be running. You can't measure them off of the same exact metrics. Um, well, ultimately a, long, some are short games, some are long games, right? Well, here's another way to look at it. Okay. So let's say it's a $4,000 investment. You, you get those 10 troops, they go into battle. Here's the question for you, Mr. Business Owner, Mrs. Business Owner. What is, what kind of return do you need to get on that $4,000 investment for you to feel like it was worthwhile? And, and most contractors would say, well, if I got a 10X return in sales, then that would be ideal. Okay, $4,000, so you need $40,000 in sales. Do you guys agree with me that that would be a oh, reasonable yeah, that, return on yeah, investment? That would definitely be reasonable. If there's a contractor listening to me right now says, I would not accept that return on investment, then I don't have any words for you because you're, help, you're, you're, you're hopeless and helpless. Okay, so we got a 10X, $40,000. Okay, great. How many sales do you need to get to get $40,000? Let's say that their average sale is 10,000, okay? So four sales. Great. How many leads do you need to get to get uh, four sales? And let's say that they close uh, one out of three. So we need four times three. We need 12 leads. Great. Here's why I'm going through this math exercise with you. It's not academic, it's real. Because here's what you need to understand about that investment that you just made in those, those 10 troops that you put into that battle. After you get those 12 leads and you make those four sales and you do that $40,000 in, in revenue, everything now for after that is absolutely 100% free. Right. And there is no other advertising, marketing thing other than maybe like wrapping your trucks that can claim that to be true. Right. Let me ask a question. <clears throat> this is fascinating, interesting. We've got people out there listening and thinking, I'm not going to personally do that. This is way over my head. I got a, bit, a company to run. They want to go hire somebody. I mean, I've seen this many times. I hire somebody to do SEO. They go along for three or four months, fire them. Nothing happened. Uh, I know I can anticipate what you're going to say, but how do they know they've got somebody who's doing it right? And what kind of interim, other than call you rich, but uh, what kind of interim measurements or KPIs uh, feedback should they get to tell they're on the right track? Do you want the real answer uh, or, or some, the cynical answer? 
Uh, <laughs> I'll take I'll take both. I'll give you the cynical answer first. The answer is it isn't working and you should quit. That's the cynical answer. Okay. <laughs> Here's the real answer. And I'll tell you why I gave you the cynical answer. I'm going to say something right now that is going to be unbelievable to you. And I don't mean that in hyperbole. I mean, literally, I'm going to say it and you're going to look at me and go, the guy's lying. That's not true. There's no way that what he is saying is true. And here's what it is. I have not found any SEO companies, zero. I have found zero SEO companies that actually do SEO correctly. Zero. I haven't found one. I found a ton of them that do it poorly, anywhere from mediocre to horrifically bad. Now you look at that and say, oh, well, this is a guy that's trying to sell SEO. Of course, he's going to bad mouth his competitor. No, no, no. That's not what I mean. Like if I owned a roofing company and I did everything right, I was like very expensive, but everything was awesome. And you said, well, what competitors do you have? I would say, you know, I've got these three guys over here that they're not as good as me, but they do a really solid job. And if you don't use me, I recommend them. And then there's these other 10 companies that are a notch down from those three. But if none of those three are available, I could recommend them. Look, I wouldn't use them, but your roof is going to work. I can't say that in SEO. If Again, I know this sounds really weird. We have engineered, <laughs> reverse engineered the SEO process so that it actually works. And you might say, I know how incredibly arrogant and weird this sounds. And so it's hard for me to have this conversation in a serious manner. But here's why it works the way that we do it. And it, it almost never works the way other people are doing. You say, well, what do you mean? Nobody's getting SEO? No, no, Somebody's got to get the first position. And I can show you a million examples of where crappily executed SEO is getting the first position. But that's the old, you don't have to outrun the bear. You only have to outrun the other guy. If, if, you're, if you're competing in a marathon against only people that weigh 350 pounds, somebody's going to win, okay? The time is going to be really, really, really slow, but somebody's going to win. But here's, why, here's what makes all the difference in the world. We've, we've touched on it, but I'm going to say it specifically now. It's the ability to create content that is actually engaging, interesting, and relevant. Like I said, if you would have been talking to me in 1996, Launch Smith Roofing, I would rewrite your Yellow Pages ad. That's what my company's core competency in DNA is. It's writing stuff that works. So you take that and you overlay it into websites and SEO. Here's what happens with most companies that you go, you go to them and say, Hey, I want to buy, build a new website. And they go, okay, great. Uh, what pages do you want on the website? Well, you know, I want these, you know, you come up with a, an outline for what you want on the, 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 the website. And then they come to you and they ask you this question. Okay. So what do you want this page to say? And you shrug your shoulders. Like, I don't know. I'm a freaking contractor. How would I know what the page should say? Isn't that your job, Mr. Mrs. Web company? Don't you know what the page is supposed to say? And they go, okay, well, we got a plan for that. And they go to all of the other websites that they've written and they sort of aggregate something that kind of sounds good. Or they go to the manufacturer's website and they grab some content. Or they go to some dude in the freaking Philippines and say, here, write this content. And content matters a lot. It's what I call the 60-20-20 rule. Here's what matters in websites and SEO, 60-20-20. I'll go re in reverse. 20% is Google's algorithm. You have to understand the algorithm. It's way easier than people think it is, but you have to understand it. So it's 20%. It's not 90%, 20%. 20, so that's category one, 20%. The other 20% is 
the signals that your pages are sending. It's the coding, it's the technical stuff on your website that lets Google know what this page is and where, where this page is relevant. You have to execute it flawlessly or it's not going to work. Okay. There's 20, 20. So what's 60, 60% of what's important is the caliber of the content, the caliber of the content. That's why you have to know how to actually write content that actual humans find engaging. And I'm telling you, it's rare. It's, it doesn't exist. So hmm. it, I, I don't know precisely. You're, you're not talking at that point about uh, having the geo keyword pairs in it. You're talking about somebody will actually read it and get yeah. it and, so, and enjoy it, I guess. Yeah, if you look at the 60-20-20, the 20% tw is the geo keyword pairs, it's making geo, sure that it's okay. optimized yeah. properly, okay? And there are some companies out there, maybe half the companies that are out there understand that. They execute on various levels. But the, the content, and see, here's the problem. As you scale an SEO company, like my company, as you scale it bigger, it becomes harder and harder to scale writing content that is engaging. It's really hard. So, you know, some of the biggest companies that service this industry for SEO and websites, they're, they're big companies that are owned by private equity firms that are trying to cheap out and they're using, who knows, AI, they're using the Philippines, who knows? And the content is not good. You know, and let's just have a little chat about AI, just very short. Oh, AI okay. is going to revolutionize this. No, it's not. All AI does is, is AI is, is input in, input out. And all, S, all AI is doing is it's creating more crappy content that Google hates faster because it's hmm. copying the nonsense that the humans are writing that sucks. Yeah. And how does, uh, how does Google tell whether or not a human is engaged in that content? Very by, simple. By the fact that they did. Well, here, bounce. let me ask you, what do you think? How do you think Google would know if somebody's engaged in content? That, that they don't leave quite promptly. That yeah, they read it's it. It's called dwell time. How long do they okay. stay on the page? Do, do you know that Google looks at a page, every page that Google looks at, it makes an estimate of how long somebody should stay on that page based on the type and quantity of content that's on that page. So let's say that Google looks at that page and says, oh, uh, 45 seconds. And then the average amount of time people spend on that page is 12 seconds. It was like, that page must suck. You got to yeah. understand, Google is a robot and it's a really good robot. It's a very sophisticated robot, but it's still a robot. So think about this. Let's say you're in a town You've never been there before. It's dinner time. You want to find a restaurant and you see these two restaurants side by side. The one on the left, the parking lot is jammed. It's an hour and a half wait to get into that restaurant. And the one on the right, there's nobody in the parking lot and you can get a table right away. And there's only like two or three tables that are taken. Question for you. Which restaurant is better? Yeah. We're going to the busy place. You say, wow, man, we're really hungry. We don't have a lot of time. I guess we'll try this one over here. All right. But Google's just looking at it going, well, everybody's over there. Apparently, that's the best one. Who's going to show up higher in the rankings, that restaurant or this restaurant? And Google's right. going to go this one every single time. Hmm. So, man, sorry to kind of end on a downner. No, no, but no, 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 not no. at all. But I, I mean, I, think, I have I guess historically people spending money on SEO and just saying, well, apparently it's not working and. And, uh, I mean, I'm not a marketing guy, I'm a business coach, but marketing is part of it and direct them in the right direction. Um, and there are other principles to it besides just SEO, of course, but yeah, people just dump a bunch of money in it 
And then they go, well, I'm, I'm not seeing anything. And then they quit. And then maybe they try it again, or maybe they get somebody in the Philippines to do it for them. And there are some people that I've everybody's been burned so many times. Everybody's yeah, jaded. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. Yeah. I had, I did a website audit review with this lady. Uh, she was the marketing director for this company. She wasn't the owner. She was tasked with the, the web part and, and other things in marketing. So we looked at her website audit, and this is the one I was talking about earlier. It had, it had over 500 service area pages. Okay, well, that means that this web, this SEO company was really dialed in on, SE, on, on service area pages. We can run a report using a, a software called SEMrush. It's the industry standard software that'll tell us how many keywords Google is ranking on each page of the website, Okay. So the more wet, the more keywords that are being that are ranked by Google, the better. So if you've got a page on your website that is ranking for 500 keywords, that means that Google's going to find a hit, and it's going to be that's really really good. Here's a really bad number: zero. Okay, if Google is ranking zero keywords on a page, that means that there's absolutely literally no chance that Google will ever rank that page for anything anywhere, anytime, any under any circumstance. Because Google has looked at that page and said, no, there's nothing on here that we're ranking. This company had over 500 service area pages. It was like 525. I'll just say 500 for our conversation. And I remember this. There were 52 keywords that our report, that SEMrush, SEMrush detected. Out of over 500 pages cumulatively, only 52 keywords were being ranked at all, which means that there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages that had been created by an SEO company that had literally zero traction with Google. Let me make a finer point on this. They were paying tens and probably over years, hundreds of thousands of dollars for a company to create pages that were not working, that were doing nothing. I can't have, I'm getting passionate about this, but I can't even emphasize that they weren't barely working. They weren't working a little bit. They were doing zero and probably cumulatively less than zero because Google's looking at all this going, what is this nonsense? This woman was in tears on the call with me, figuring out how she was going to explain to her boss that she had managed this process where nobody over the course of years had thrown their body on the tracks and said, why are we creating pages that are doing nothing? It's Now, that's an extreme example only because of the number of pages was high. I see that ex exact same story multiple times a week, but there's just fewer pages. They, they only created 42 pages that are doing absolutely nothing instead of 500. So it's a little easier to swap. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Um, one, one aspect of SEO that I, we haven't touched on that I wanted to, um, you know, maybe wrap, we can gear towards wrapping up with this, but is the, you know, that we've talked a lot about on page. I want to talk about off page SEO and link building and people talking about uh, how that plays into the role of your ranking and search. What is it? Why does it matter? How does it work? What should you think about that? Link building in this industry, I'm going to make sure I use that qualifier in this industry is massively overrated. Okay. Now, why is that? overrated doesn't mean it's not important. It means that, it, that means that people, attach too much importance, more importance to it than they should. Here's why. Because it's, it's ex exceedingly difficult to build meaningful links within this industry. Mm. Okay. Because when you start talking about link building, the very first thing you have to ask is links from where? Okay. And for people that don't know what we're talking about, maybe you've heard of link links, link building, 
and you, but you're not really clear on what that is. Here's what it means. It means that if I can get a third-party website, some other website that's not mine, to link to my website, from their website to my website, then Google looks at that as a positive sign that there's other websites that like my website, so therefore that's a positive thing. And it's true. That, that is a true statement. The reason it's overrated is because it's exceedingly difficult in this industry to find meaningful external links coming into my website. So here's some examples. And we optimize for these to the extent possible. So let's say that you're a James Hardy siding dealer or a GAF roof dis roofing materials distributor or a Pella windows dealer. Okay, so we can go link from the Pella website to your website. We can get, but see, we have to get them to do that. We don't have control over Pella's website. So we have to go to Pella right. and say, Pella, will you link to our website? Well, if we're their dealer, they're going to say, yes, absolutely. Here's right. our dealer finder. We're going to link to you. Okay, great. We'll do that with all of your suppliers. All right. Now, what other links are you going to get? Hmm. How about the local Better Business Bureau? Better Business Bureau. Okay, great. Done. Um, how about the local Chamber of Commerce? Okay, great. Done. All right. Now what? Now here's what happens. This is why I said it's overrated. People say, oh, well, we'll go hire a company that will add links. This is called link farming. And here's what's going to happen. They're going to link a bunch of nonsensical bullcrap websites to your website that Google's going to look at and go, where is this link coming from? Oh, it's coming from something that is not related to your business and it's going to actually penalize you. Now, here would be ideal. Go to, so I, I live in uh, Linden, Utah. So maybe I could go to the... So, I don't even know what it is. That shows you how weird this is. I go to the local <laughs> newspaper that handles local events here in Utah County. And I could say, hey, could I write articles for you about home improvement? And then you put them on your website and then it links back to me. Okay, fantastic. Is anybody actually doing that? Very, very few. It's extremely right. difficult. It's extremely time consuming. And the, the, uh, the pop that you're going to get from that is relatively small. Plus yeah. it's going to link to specific paid. Here's what's yeah. more important for contractors. Create geo keyword optimized pages, blog pages and service area pages like we've talked about and have those coming into your website so that Google says, oh, here's somebody in Linden searching for roof repair. Here's a page that is specifically geared towards roof repair in Linden. That seems like a good match. Oh, look, here's five other pages from five other websites that are also specifically geared towards roofing repair in Linden, Utah. And now Google has to decide how to rank those. Guess who's going to get the nod on the ranking? Whoever's got the best, most engaging content. Yeah, man. This has been super educational. I think there's some great action steps for people to take and even some just awareness level things that they can do to, you know, audit themselves and really audit their current SEO pr provider. Martin, you got something? Well, I'd like to ask one little practical thing maybe somebody can take away listening or they're taking away a lot. Way back, we talked about Google My Business. Yeah. And Rich, you said we need to be changing content every day or every week. Can you just tell a listener who knows how to get into Google My Business, which is google.com forward slash my business, right? Uh, business.google.com. Uh, change, change a picture. Pardon? business.google.com okay. that's how you get to your my business. but you get in there what what is something what's something people could do just to kind of 
get your feet wet and, hey, I did something today. Okay, so first let's understand what Google Business Profile is, okay? It's a directory, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. So here's what you've got to understand. If, If you've got... Whichever company has a physical location in a particular city is going to have a leg up in the Google business profile because the Google business profile is affecting the map section of the Google search results. Some people call it the three pack. Let's call it the map section. So a company that has an actual physical location there is going to have a leg up because Google's going to look at it. It's it's index and go. You're in Linden, Utah. Oh, here's a roofing company that actually has a physical location in Linden. It's going to bias towards that. Okay. Now that doesn't mean if you're one city over in Orem and you don't have uh, a Linden address that you can't compete. So here's what you got to do. And this is to, to answer your question, Martin, is you now post content that is optimized for the geo keyword pairs that you're interested in competing in. So in the case of this example, it would be Linden, Utah, uh, roofing repair. So here's what I've got to do. I've got to go into that Google business profile and I have to post content. Here's the kind of content to specifically answer your question. Number one, service area pages. Number two, blog pages. Number three, photos of jobs that you've done. Number four, reviews. Those are the major ones. Videos too. Those are a little harder to, 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 to manage. So if, if I've got a roofing company that's headquartered in Orem, Utah, and I don't have an address in Linden, I need to create a page on my website, service area page, also blog pages, how to choose the best roofer in Linden, Utah. And then I post it to my Google business profile. Now Google knows, oh, this is an area where they're doing business Working. for that specific yeah. thing. So yeah. the same content that we've been talking about needs to be strategically posted to your Google business profile. Here's a, here's a good uh, tip for your listeners to take away, Martin, and specifically to answer your question. What can you do with your Google business profile? Answer. Post geo keyword optimized content multiple times a week for the specific geo keyword pairs that you want to be competing in. Again, it could be service area pages or blog pages, but you might be listening to say, well, we don't really have any of that. Great. When you do a roofing job in Linden, Utah, do this, take a picture of the house and then tag that picture, Linden, Utah roof repair. Now post it to your Google business profile. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's pretty actionable. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Um, I, I think there's so many things that uh, people can take away from this. I think one that most people will walk away from is that they don't know what they don't know. They probably also don't have time to do this themselves. Uh, in which case, I think getting in touch with you, Rich, would be a great idea. How can listeners find you if they want to talk more about SEO and other things related to their marketing? Yeah, so um, level10contractor.com is our website. Uh, you can request a website audit on that. Uh, just you'll you'll see it on their website audit, uh, or you can just go to level10audit.com. Level 10 Audit's a shortcut directly to the audit page. Uh, if you fill out a form on there, uh, it'll ask you to choose a time on the calendar, and we'll actually audit your website. It's very thorough, and uh, I'll walk you through exactly what your website is doing right, what it's doing wrong, where it's strong, where it's not strong. Uh, spoiler alert, like I said earlier, the average score that we see on those is 27 out of 100. <laughs> so there's probably a lot of work to be done. Um, but that's probably the best way to do it. Or if somebody wants to ask me a, directly a question, feel free to email me, rich 
Uh, I get called Rick a lot, but Rich with an H at level10contractor.com. That's 10 with a one zero, level10contractor. And uh, I'd be happy to answer emails. I answer emails all the time. Happy to do it. Great. No, that's fantastic. fantastic. I think also listeners go check out uh, the Level 10 Contractor podcast. Uh, really great specific content oh, yeah. on there that, that is super, super helpful. Yeah. So we'll we'll link to uh, all those things in the show notes, the audit, uh, the the website, and the podcast all in the show notes. We'll also put the email on there if you want to shoot Rich a question. Rich, this has yeah. been a pleasure to talk to you. We've got Just a little so bit long. No, the podcast is a daily podcast, so we're, we're over 1,500 episodes. So any any marketing topic that you can possibly think of, it's on there. Great. Yeah, I, I've, they're, they're really digestible and easy to, to follow episodes as well. So highly, highly Yeah, usually it. about 30 minutes, something like that. Yeah. No. Thank yeah. you, though. I appreciate you having me on today. It's uh, been a lot of fun talking to... I love talking to SEO. Yeah, yeah, it's great. We, we, we appreciate it. Thanks for your time. All right. Bye now. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.